as we started to look at the theology of heaven, we were talking about how important it is to understand what the Bible teaches about heaven. So then we can dive in once we understand uh, the theology and the doctrine of heaven uh, and why it's important and what God's word has to say about that. Then we can dive into some really important questions that everybody has, like what's it going to be like? Because everybody wants to know that. And uh, I'm reminded of, of planning for a uh, for an outing of some kind. So uh, never when Candy and Cindy go to Europe, when Candy and Cindy go to Europe, they don't just jump on a plane and go. They plan and they know where they're going to stay and they get information on on, uh, on on everything, mostly the best places to eat, right? <laughs> of course. And, uh, and, it's, and it's planned because they want to know in advance what it is that they are going to expect generally. And there's still a lot of surprises, isn't there? And heaven is kind of like that. So God's word is going to tell us a lot about heaven and we're going to answer those questions. And yet there is still going to be a great deal of mystery about heaven. And it is because we're not built in such a way that we can comprehend. The words don't exist to explain to us in such a way in our finiteness uh, how wonderful it's going to be. However, the Bible has a lot to say about what it will be. And that's what we're going to end up with as we, as we go through the study. So I, I ran across, you know, I like quotes, so I ran, across, I ran across a couple of quotes that I'd like to share with you to set the tone for tonight um, uh, before we start diving into Scripture. And they are from a couple of people that you may have heard of and one person that you probably haven't heard of. And the first guy is Charles Spurgeon. Now, Charles Spurgeon is a very famous old theologian. And um, he's older than Ernie. Wow. That's pretty amazing, isn't it, Ernie? That's pretty old. That's pretty old. And Charles, now listen to this. Charles Spurgeon said this. When you speak of heaven, let your face light up. When you speak of hell, well then... Your everyday face will do. <laughs> Isn't that great? And, and that's from Charles Spurgeon, a very deep, sophisticated, uh, intelligent theologian. Uh, the other one that I ran across is by a guy by the name of Vance Harbour, and he's an author and a pastor, and he said this. Um, a little less humor in this one. He says... And by the way, this is very biblical. He says, if you are a Christian, you are not a citizen of this world trying to get to heaven. You are a citizen of heaven making your way through this world. That's the tone for tonight. Because we are citizens of heaven. And we hear that and we say it. And we have a hard time uh, really practicing that though, don't we? Because it's hard to imagine that we're citizens of heaven. And that's precisely why we have to understand theology and we have to understand the doctrine of heaven and what it's going to be like. Because when we know what heaven is going to be like in such a way and in as, in as much detail as we need to share with others, we'll get excited about it so that our face will light up. Otherwise, our everyday face will do. <laughs> and then the last one from John Piper really sets the tone for tonight, and that's this. John Piper says... The critical question for our generation 
and for every generation is this. If you, listen, if you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends that you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted and no human conflict or any natural disasters... Could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ weren't there? You see, that's an interesting perspective on heaven because as Christians and as followers of Jesus, we see we sometimes get all caught up and there's there's a whole group of us here on a Wednesday night. We could be doing almost anything. But we're here and we're studying God's word to see what God has to tell us about heaven. And, we, and we're, we're Christians and we want to be good ones and we want to please the Lord. And there's nothing wrong with any of those kinds of things. And yet sometimes when we think about heaven and we study heaven, we think about it from the perspective of me. I, me, and my. When what God wants us to do is he wants us to be thinking about it in terms of, do you have a love relationship with me, God speaking here? Because in the end, heaven is about Jesus. Wow. Now, don't be guilty or feel guilty or feel bad about any of that. Why? Why shouldn't we? And why do we have a perspective on heaven that is more self-centered, what it's going to be like and whether I'm going to like it or not, whether there's going to be surfing there. Well, isn't it our human nature? Yes, it's our nature. There isn't anybody here that doesn't have the same human nature, and it's a fallen nature, I might add, and we're sinners, and we naturally, we naturally look at things very selfishly, don't we? In order to not look at something selfishly, it takes a supernatural act. But the theme for tonight really is taking a look at heaven from the perspective of who's there, first and foremost. So that's what I want us to think about as we think about heaven and the heavenly realms and where we're going to be. Last week we looked into this theological question of heaven in terms of what it is. And we have to be clear regarding heaven that if it isn't written, it isn't. Because that's all we have to go on. And so we have to be very careful when we start studying because we're going to start getting into asking questions about, um, about what heaven is going to be like. And we have to be very careful not to project onto heaven something that God's word doesn't say. I was reading something yesterday and uh, and a, a, a non-theologian uh, was was uh, commenting about heaven and about how it's going to be this way now it's going to be that way now it's going to be all these ways and all these things we're going to enjoy in heaven and I've been studying heaven for quite some time now and I can't find any biblical support whatsoever for anything that this man wrote so what's our authority there has to be a standard Right? And we know what the standard is, don't we? The standard is Scripture. 
without it being written, it's nothing more than a fantasy. Now, could there be things in heaven that we're going to experience that God's word doesn't talk about? Mm -hmm. I sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it will be phenomenal. In fact, I'm convinced that one of the reasons that we're not told a lot of things about heaven is because we, it's, we couldn't relate. Yeah. We, 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 can't, we can't relate. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the new Jerusalem that comes from heaven. And we're going to see a little bit about that tonight. And it's going to talk about this, this city. This is this dwelling. And when Scripture talks about, uh, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and, and, um, and, 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 and where I'm going, there's many rooms. Not mansions, necessarily, but many rooms. And then, then Scripture clearly details, even in terms of the size of this city that is going to exist. And, and it's a cube. So how can a city be a cube? Because I think in two dimensions. Because I get up off of this chair and I walk and I don't, I can't float. So I, I can't think in three dimensions unless, unless I'm flying. Then I can think in three dimensions. But even then I have to have power, right? And in heaven, this heavenly city, ultimately we're going to see tonight and later in terms of its details, how it's designed, how A, big it is, and B, that there is not only a horizontal component to this city, there is a vertical component to the city. So just imagine, I'm going to just plant a seed for you tonight. So imagine streets of gold. Those are quite literal, by the way. Streets of gold that go up. Can you relate to that? No, I can't. My car drives to Ventura flat, and it goes that way. Okay, so I don't know what it's like. I'm not suggesting there's cars in heaven, but I, what I'm suggesting is it's hard for me to understand living in in three dimensions in a in a universe that God has created that we don't even know how big it is. Wow! So that gives you a little taste of why we're not told everything, and we're only told enough to make us go, "Wow, cool." And then we're left to wonder. Philippians 1, last week, we looked at and it told us about this tension that we have. And the Apostle Paul talked about this tension. And what was the, what's the tension that, that Paul, if you remember, you don't have to look it up in Philippians 1. What's the tension that he was talking about? He had this conflict. Remember? It was only a week ago. You guys aren't that old. <laughs> this conflict that he had in terms of, oh, I, it would be so much better if I were just out of this body and home with the Lord. And yet, and yet here I am because there's things to do. We're not done yet. He wasn't done yet. He said to live is, to, is, to live is Christ, to be with Christ. Or to depart, if we depart, we would be with Christ. Really driven home today as we went to Steve's mom's memorial service, and it was a it was a, uh, a graveside service. And I haven't been to a graveside service in many many years, and it's a powerful reminder that the, that there's this beautiful box that they put the remains in, but she wasn't there. 
she wasn't there. She was a believer. She was she was already with the Lord. She went to be, to be with the Lord several days ago. She she wasn't there. So that ceremony really is about honoring her life and God who gave her the free gift of salvation, which she received. And so she went to heaven. Paul is struggling through that in terms of, oh, can't we just get this over with? You had a day like that or a week or a month, <laughs> maybe a year. Uh, anybody ever say, oh, Lord, just come. Can't we just get this over with? Because we know that this is going to be over. Right? And so turn to Colossians 3. Chapter 1. Colossians 3, check. Verse, verse. verse 1. Verse 1. You're telling us chapter 3, verse, or chapter 1. Did I say chapter 1? Yeah. This has been a really long day, I guess. Yeah. I spent a good portion of it with Wes, and so I'm really messed up. <laughs> Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2. Why don't you, can you read that, Ernie? Uh, not very well. Without glasses? Without. <laughs> you don't have your glasses? Sally can. Sally can. <clears throat> Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. There you go. That's enough. And so Colossians 1 and 2 says what? Set your eyes on things above. Why? Because that's where we're going. Okay, let's take it farther than that, Olivia. Not only are we going there, but what did we learn last night in terms of heaven? What should we be calling heaven? Home. We don't live here. We're just passing through. And so in the, in the letter to, uh, to the church at Colise, to the Colossians, Paul says... Hey, seek the things that are above, because the stuff that's happening here is going to screw you up. That's a paraphrase. <laughs> because this is, a, this is a crazy place, isn't it? It's a broken place. So why do we fix our sights and our eyes on the things that happen here? It's garbage what happens here. The world is a crazy place. It's influenced by all kinds of sin and evil, and we get into all kinds of trouble, and there's all kinds of temptation. All of that stuff is not godly, and we don't live here. We're not citizens of here. So he says, set your minds on things above, not on the things of the earth. But we can't just finish there. We have to look at the next two verses that say, for you have died. What's he talking about? You were reborn. Yeah. Died to sin. You have died to sin. See, you're not of this world. You have died to sin. You, it no longer has power over you. Unless you let it. <laughs> but supernaturally, you can avoid that. You can avoid the temptation. You can avoid all of that stuff supernaturally. Verse 3 says, You have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's an interesting verse because it talks about setting your mind and your thoughts on things above. Why? Because the stuff of this world is, is a lot of it's just junk. It's not all bad. Okay, but it's a broken place. Amen. Yeah. It's a broken place. And there isn't anybody here that hasn't experienced 
something that's really bad. And we've even willfully done things that are really bad. And God says, no, 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 no. Don't set your sights on things here. Otherwise, you're going to get sucked in. Because that's what the enemy wants. And he says, hey, you know what? You've died. You've died to sin. This is not your home. Think about things above. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you're coming with him. What's that verse talking about in terms of coming with Christ? That's a question. Oh, come on. All you guys that were end timers. We went to the end time study, and we knew that the church was raptured. And then what happens? They're saying rapture behind Okay. Well, we're, we're raptured, and then Jesus comes, right? And who does he come with? The angels and us. Heaven is empty. Okay? In the second coming of Jesus Christ, we will either have... If, if, we, if we get raptured today, or God forbid we die today... We're going to go to heaven, and we're going to see that tonight. And then we're going to know that after we go to heaven, there's going to be a rapture sometime if it didn't happen today and we just died today. Maybe the rapture happens tomorrow. And then in the second coming of Christ, we're going to be there for a while. And then when God is done, then when Jesus comes, and the Father is the only one that knows when that's going to happen, he's bringing us and all the angels with him. Heaven will be empty. A picture of a four rent sign. It will be empty. It will be empty. So set your minds on things above. So, what's your thinking in regards to this tension? This tension like, can I, can I just get out of here? Can I go where I just don't have this nature in me anymore? Because Paul also said, remember the scripture that says, Paul said, why do I do the things I don't want to do? And why do I not do the things that I ought to do? This is the Apostle Paul. That we hold in high esteem, don't we? Jesus is the only one that, could, that, that didn't have to utter that. But I things that we don't want to do. But we know why it's it, right? So what about this tension? In the here and the now. What about the tension? Is that a problem for you? It is a problem, isn't it? It's just flat out a problem. I mean, come on. It's okay. You can be honest that it's, it's all right. It's a problem. <laughs> it's just a problem. Okay? And we keep doing the things that we don't want to do. And the reason that we know we're doing the things that we don't want to do is because we have been saved and we have the power of the Spirit in us and then we're convicted by going, oh, crud. <laughs> again. God, I did it again. You know? Like we have to tell. Yeah, like we have to tell. And yet he tells us to tell him. Turn to John, or 1 John 2.15. As always on the handout, they're, all, they're in order. So if you want to cheat and go ahead, it's good. Susan's already there. So you can read it. 1 John 2.15. Or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Whoa. Wes, that's the pits, isn't it? Yeah. In, in, in our human nature, is that the pits? Because there's some stuff in the world that I really love. It was really fun. I went 100 miles an hour in Tyler Larson's truck today. 
I, now, I would never, you know, confess that publicly or anything, but... I think Scott It's all right, he's a cop, he has a badge. We, and, and it was a bait, because Wes was behind us in his vet, and he was trying to see if he could get Wes to go 100 miles. No, Wes was a very good boy. He just stayed back there. And the cool thing is, is that Wes stayed back there, and he would just go on the speed limit, and the next thing that Tyler sees in his rearview mirror... Is a Ventura County Sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this is going to be good. Oh, yeah, so he flashes his badge and he gets, they say goodbye. No, the guy had prisoners in the backseat oh. of his car, so he just kept on going. But but the point is, is that, you know, that's a that's kind of a worldly thing. It was fun, you know, so let's not take the fun out of the world. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is he's talking about our sinful nature and those sinful desires and doing things that we know are not honoring to God or edifying to to the body. That's what he's talking about. He says, so don't love the world because if you get sucked into the world, what that really means is is that you got no time for God. That's a pretty scary verse when you, when you stop and think about it. Because the world is very, very tempting. Is it not? Yeah. Yeah. We're in the world and yet not of it. I mean, you hear that so frequently. But it's hard not to react to this world. Of course. We have to exist in this That's world. correct. Right. Being in it? Yes, and part of it actually, and, too. But, not, but, the, but the scripture says we're in the world, but we're not of, of the world. world. Why are we not of the world? Because heaven is our home. Because heaven is our home. We still have to exist here. We, have to, we have to live here until God takes us home or he comes after us. So, what about, so I've often wondered this question. You know, you hear about, I know that we're Christians, and that in no way, shape, or form are we perfect. And we sin. We right? do. And there's, there's Christians that sin and sin and sin. They may not, and I'm talking about this in terms of when I used to be on the Sheriff's Department, I used to come across people that I knew were believers, but were struggling with a certain sin. And it wasn't that they liked it, but they were just stuck in it. What happened? It's not they don't love it. Do you understand what I'm saying? They don't and love it, but they're stuck with it. That's and, right. And you know, until they break free of that, if they ever do break free of it, mm-hmm. what, what 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 happens to the, those people? The the uh, they Is go that to we're justified and redeemed and all that. Yeah, yeah. they they go to heaven. I understand mm-hmm. that. And and here's why. And here's why. Because there, anybody that is willfully sinning, first of all, has to ask themselves the question. And this is the $64,000 biblical question. And that is, am I saved? Am I saved? Because you see, that's a question that has to be asked between you and the Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, not you and a pastor or you and me. Now a pastor or somebody could ask you that question and help you along in counseling. But are there some people that willfully sin and justify it without being repentant? If those people would have a really hard time answering the question, am I saved? There are those people that would come to Christ. I, I, I know a, a personal example. I know somebody who was struggling with addiction who came to Christ and the Lord did not take the addiction away. And his life was radically changed in every single area except the addiction that he had. And it took several years 
before he was able to break free of that addiction. And it, it was both spiritual, psychological, and physiological. And he was asking the Lord to take it away. Why he didn't take it away for three or four years of his early Christian life, I don't know. I don't know. But he's free of it now. He's free of it now. Uh, was he saved? Uh, that, that's a good question. I would say yes. Because he was repentant. He hated the addiction. And yet the rest of his life was transformed in such a way that if you didn't know that he had this addiction, you would think, wow, what happened to him? Except this one area. Okay. On the other hand, there are people that would profess to be followers of Jesus Christ and they just happily do whatever they want to. That is an unrepentant sinner. So what God looks at is the heart. That's right. It is absolutely a heart condition. We're supposed to enjoy ourselves within the confines of God and living. That's right. And so... And enjoy that. God wants us to live life and live it abundantly. Okay? And so if that means, Wes, that a living abundantly, if God is giving the resources and you like Corvettes, by all means... Get a Corvette. I did. <laughs> and that's my point. My point is, is that living a godly, not, godly life is not putting on a brown robe and going to a monastery where you can only speak three words a year. That is not what God has in mind. He wants us to live life and live it abundantly in Christ. And enough faith is a mustard seed. What about it? Well, I mean... You can't do a whole life. You just have a little bit of faith. I mean, yes, you can. How much? Well, I mean, you can't. Not fail. Well, then you might want to ask yourself, how much faith do I have, mm-hmm. and why? Hmm. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that God apportions faith to you. He apportions it to you. He gives you as much faith as you need at that moment. Is there more faith available? Yes. Uh-huh. Is there more wisdom available? Yes. yes. Is there more almost anything that you can imagine that you need in your life available? Yes. So the question is, back to, back to the most profound statement that we're probably going to hear all night tonight is... Mike, it's a heart condition, isn't it? Yeah. What is your heart? Yeah. And listen, your heart condition is between you and the Lord. And in terms of are you going to heaven or you're not going to heaven, there's there's only one answer to that question. Right? Yeah. And who's going to heaven? Denial. <laughs> you're, going, you're going to heaven. And a believer. And what is required? That we, that we have, believe and have faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. Now, for those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ and are truly repentant sinners, because just because you put your faith in Christ doesn't mean you're not a sinner. You are a sinner and in need of a Savior. Otherwise, God wouldn't have put this plan of redemption together. Amen? I love my my sister Brenda, who loves to stand out on a street corner if necessary and tell people that. (laughs) She's bold. So... Um, and, and, that, and that's fine. The point is, is that you're still a sinner. The question is, what is God doing with your heart? What is your heart condition after you've said, you know what, I put my faith in Christ. 
I, I, that is a free pass because, because Jesus paid the price. And now you're going to heaven if that was real. How many times have you heard that somebody says that they're a, a, a believer and that they have put their faith in, in Christ and nothing changes and their life is what we would say in the tank and people look at that and say well it was it was maybe a said faith but it wasn't a heartfelt faith there was no repentance unfortunately you see a lot of new believers go that way or they they, they start that way but not long after that they're back I read a, a statistic very recently about the the younger generation sorry boys um, but uh, the younger generation I'm talking about, I don't know, they have these names for younger generation. I'm so out of it when it comes to this stuff. But uh, I'm talking about the kids that are uh, the high schoolers into college age kids um, uh, today. Okay? And the statistic was from the Barna Research Group that 70% of young people that had professed faith in Christ during their high school years and were involved in regular church activity mostly because their parents introduced them to the church life. 70% either four years after their high school experience or by the time they were out of college had recanted their faith and said, no, never mind. Which, which makes you wonder whether or not what Talking about faith again, right, Kathy? Had they put their faith in Christ? See, I don't believe so because I, I, I'm, I'm in the camp where you can't. I, I don't believe you can lose your salvation. Now, that's a that's an inside the church debate. Some people believe you can you can have your salvation and lose it. I don't think you can. I think that you either you are either saved or you're not. You're either repentant or you're not. You're still a sinner. Pardon me. They, they go through that period, but then they come back. Some do. Well, the, you know? What's the statistic on that? Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I, unfortunately, they didn't. They didn't finish. There was not a study on that. But the alarming number is that we're talking about going to heaven. Here, we're talking about there's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is put your faith in Christ and 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 be repentant. Okay, so when you sin, you just have to be repentant. And if you have a repentant heart, and if you're struggling with something, that's okay. If you're repentant and God knows your heart, that does that does not mitigate. You're not going to earn it. Okay, so it's my understanding that there, once you've accepted the Lord, there's nothing you can do, nothing to lose that, nothing except recant your faith, basically deny God. If you deny Christ, right, then Christ says. Then you know I'll deny you. How many husbands have gone to churches? That this is a. I'm not asking anybody in this room. How many husbands have gone to church and have and have told their wives, oh, oh because you know men are a tougher nut to crack than women, statistically speaking, in the church. And how many men have said that they have put their faith in Christ just to get her off his back? Off the line. Okay. Now we could flip the gender the other way too. It's not, it's not all one. I'm just saying. All I'm just I'm saying. We talked about this in the end times, and we talked about how many churches are going to have people sitting in the pews when the rapture comes. Lots. 
There will be a lot of people left sitting in the pews on a Sunday morning service if the rapture comes Sunday at 9.15. Lots. There will be pastors that are left standing. This is powerful stuff. The issue is, it's also simple. I mean, if you put your faith in Christ or you have it. And sanctification means we're going to spend the rest of our life working through this. Working out our salvation means, oh, I get it. Somebody texted me yesterday and they're reading, they're reading Proverbs. And, and they texted me and said, you're not going to believe what Proverbs said. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> For the first time. They saw something in Proverbs because of where they are in their life right now. And God showed them something in Proverbs they had never seen. And it was the simplest truth. And that's awesome. Because the Bible is a living, breathing document, isn't it? It's alive. It is alive. That person now believes. <laughs> and, and they told me that this forever is going to change the way I open this book read it. It was the first time in their life God spoke to them through a verse. Woohoo! That was awesome. Matthew 7.13 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. That's those people we're talking about that have a heart condition. Their heart is not right with the Lord. And many enter through that one, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Why did Jesus say the way is hard? Because it is. You live in a simple world where you're bombarded every day with... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So no big deal. I send, I send all day long today, so why is it hard? We're persecuted the way Christ was. We're persecuted? How are we? Explain that a little bit. How are we persecuted in the way Christ was? In, in what way do you mean, Mel? The world looks at us in a derogatory way. Yeah, you guys are nut jobs, you know that? Yeah, we know it. You're wacko. You believe this stuff? You take a Wednesday night and you come and you sit in this old place and on Sunday mornings you come and you eat donuts and you could, I mean, we could be golfing or something. <laughs> yeah, there's persecution in that way. And then we don't even understand persecution, really, do we? We don't. So Jesus said that the way is hard. Why did he say there will be few? He says that they're the small is the gate, narrow is the road, and only a few are going to find it. Because well, sometimes it's really hard to give that kind of stuff. I mean, if you look at what's prevalent in the churches today, is all of them telling you, well, you can still cuss, you can still drink, you can still do all this stuff that you want to. You don't have to change. God will accept you the way you are. Right? Because Jesus loves everybody. Mm-hmm. But is it is it actually a numbers game where the as far as the few goes when you look at all people in the world compared to the people that actually believe 
in Jesus Christ. That's an excellent point because what do we do when we say, which is the reason I asked the question, what do we do, what do we think when I ask the question about that verse where it says that, that wide is the road to destruction and many people are going to take that one. Many people are going to take that one. Well, that's the easy way, isn't it? Yeah, you want the easy way? I liken the Christian life to, I've shared this one with Cindy and I, have talked about this a lot because she was... She was training like a like an Olympic athlete because she had her knee replaced, and she and it was a struggle, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was hard. Remember, we were talking about being a you know what do the Olympic athletes go through? Oh my gosh, they have to. Some days they don't want to. They have to get up and go through the torture of the training that they're going to go through because they have their eye on the goal. Okay, and so here we are walking this Christian life. Are you kidding me? When I was when I was outside of Christ, uh, you know, I, I mean, my life wasn't good, but it was easy because all the things of the world attempted me, I partook. I didn't even know, but then when I did, it was like, oh, what a difference! It was horrific, wasn't it? It's hard to have to train, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of effort. See, we can't just skip through life as a Christian. There's no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. There's no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. You can't be lukewarm. You can't. Because if you're lukewarm, you're intentionally and willfully in sin, I'm telling you, because that's the way it works. Because it's either one way or the other. I like it when Richie talks about, oh, he's a good moral person. There's going to be a lot of good moral people that are going to be following the way of destruction because they put themselves on the throne. We, we looked last week at 2 Corinthians 5.8 that says, Absent the body is present with the Lord. What does that mean? <coughs> okay. <laughs> Brenda says just what it says. <laughs> okay, that's pretty straightforward. So, so uh, somebody paraphrased that. Absent the body... Present with the Lord. Okay, so means you're no longer here on earth. Oh, it's okay. let's take it one more time. So when you die, you said your soul goes to heaven. Right. Okay. Mike says we're no longer here on earth. Nothing in between. Okay. And there's nothing in between. Right. Yeah, there's no purgatory, by the way. You can look all you want. Mike did a whole study on heaven. He started writing down all the verses on heaven. Mike, did you find anything in there about purgatory? No, couldn't, couldn't find it. There's no purgatory. Okay? There's no holding pen. Your soul doesn't go to sleep someplace and wait for something to happen. Okay? Absent the body, present the Lord. That's for Christians, right? All right. There's no in-between. All right. So, you're out of your body. It's no longer necessary. Okay? I love science when they say, what's the, what, what's the value of a body? It's pretty much how much gold you have in your teeth. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of mineral value to it. There's very, very little value. It's I mean, less, it's, less than a dollar. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I, I've heard that if they mm-hmm. sold the mineral value of your mm-hmm. body, it's, it's, like, it's less than a buck. <laughs> so think about this in terms of heaven. I'm trying to set the tone for thinking about heavenly things. And within heaven, we, we are going to absent the body, present with the Lord. So that means that our, our soul, 
is going to go to Jesus. Heaven. Heaven, whichever. Well, which is it? Oh, what you're talking about. Oh, now you're getting ahead. Okay, so absent the body, present the Lord. Turn to Philippians one twenty-two. Two heavens? Depends on how you speak about your definition. 
Let's talk about, is heaven a physical place? Is, it, is, it, is heaven real? Oh, okay, what's your definition of heaven? Thank you. Well, you've got the heavenly realm where you see... Now, forget that for a second. Help, help us understand this. If you die today, you're going to heaven. You're going to the presence of the Lord. Okay, and we just said that that's temporary. And everybody went, yeah, it's temporary. Yeah. Okay, then what? You stay there until Jesus comes back, and then we all leave and come with Jesus back here. Okay, and what's that? Well, you a new earth. There's a... Oh, there's a new heaven and a new earth. Right. Ah, so is there two heavens, or does heaven change? I don't Are there two heavens? Well, if, if so, if it or, says that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, uh huh, must change. A hat. Because the earth right. changes. Heaven changers agree. I'm going to say yes. Okay, we got one. Come on, don't be bashful. Does heaven change? Are there two heavens? Uh-oh, there's a whole bunch of I don't know. That's not here. But are you speaking of now, or are you speaking of then? I'm speaking in the... In the future, future tense. I'm speaking in the context of the here and now, and what is going to transpire. You said... Well, yeah, now there are three... There's three heavens? There's three heavens? Yeah, it depends on what description you are using, yeah. What's your definition then? Well, like I said, you've got the atmosphere, then you've got the stars, and then you've got where God was at. Now you're going all theological on me. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is, I'm talking about we're going to die. Because the last time I looked, the death rate is still one per person. <laughs> they haven't changed that. Well, it depends. There's been a few that have had exceptions. There's been a couple of exceptions, and we might even see a couple of those tonight if we get there. Okay, so explain what the deal is with this, if there's multiple heavens. Because I've never been taught anything other than there's just heaven. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, where do we get our theology? God's Word. Excellent. Because that's exactly why we have to start here. We have to, guys, understand the theology of heaven in terms of, wait a minute, are there two heavens? Are there three heavens? Are, are, is there one heaven, but it just changes? See, we need to know. And it's really not that difficult. Is it talked about in Revelation? Uh-huh. When, when I don't remember, is it John that goes up to heaven? Uh-huh. And talks about it? Uh-huh. Okay, so I've, I've, I have read that, but it's been a long time. Perfect. Well, we're going to read it tonight. Because right. this becomes very important. Before we can start talking about what heaven is going to be like, which is what we really all want to know. I mean, what does the Bible say about what heaven's going to be like? And it has a lot to say about what heaven is going to be like. we got to know what the heck we're talking about when we talk about heaven. And so if we were, if every one of us, if a meteorite came and it only hit this little church and we all died right here tonight, everyone that's in this room that has put their faith in Christ is going to heaven. Marianne, we're going to heaven. We're going to be there. Okay? Why? Because it's written. And so my next point, it becomes very important to understand that we have to get our theology right. We have to. We everybody in this room already believes that the Bible is in there. That's not. A, that's a non-issue around here, right? And so we know that. So we have to read it for all it's worth. And we can't add to it, and we can't take away from it, right? But does that happen? Okay. I was in Barnes and Noble last week with my wife, who I took on a date for the first.
time in a really long time. So, woohoo, many points. We went to bo- no. <laughs> I took her to dinner first, and so we ended up. We ended up at Barnes and Noble, and I will tell you that that there is a there are a lot of people that have a lot of misconceptions because they can't define. Thank you very much. Uh, they can't define heaven. They haven't decided what the Bible tells them about heaven. They don't know where heaven is. They're not sure if there's more than one or if there's just one heaven, but it changes. And, they're, and they get very confused when it's really, frankly, quite simple. It's really quite simple. In the context of Scripture, we are going to see where heaven is, what heaven is, who goes there, and why God pulled that all together. And you're not going to find that at Barnes & Noble when you go to the religious book section and you look at all the books on heaven. Because I did that. Not only did I do that, but there's... Anybody know the real popular one that's out there right now? Heaven is for real. And it's the movie about... It's a book first. It was written when this little kid, he was four years old, and he went to heaven. His dad is a pastor. I have nothing against this book. Don't, don't get me wrong here. But he, he, he had an experience. He said he was... He went. He went on a journey to heaven. And this little boy found things there that nobody had ever told him. He had had a, he had had a sister that... that, um, that uh, um, Unfortunately, was a was a, a, a miscarried um, a baby that that he met there, and his grandfather, great grandfather that he never knew, and he and he met them there and told his parents about it when he got back, and so there was these kinds of things in in the story of him being transported and going on this journey to heaven, and they sold they sold eight million books, and now it's a movie, of course. And it cost $12 million to make the movie in the first weekend. It grossed $14 million, and it's quite a thing. It's a pretty popular deal out there. Why? Because people want to know about heaven. The problem is that if you read the book, I didn't see the movie, but if you read the book or any of the other books and you tie it out to here, all of those people saw something different. When what the Bible tells us is heaven is consistent. They all saw something different. They all had a different experience. Not only that, in every single case, they all said that they went on a journey to heaven. And the Bible says nobody has ever been on a journey to heaven. Nobody has gone to heaven and back. And in fact, you can count on one hand how many people have had a vision of heaven in the scriptures and I went to Barnes and Noble and found over a dozen books of, that people have written that said that they didn't have a vision, that they went there. We have to be really careful about where we get our theology because this becomes very important. By the way, this one here is called Flight to Heaven. This one's written by a guy by the name of Captain Dale Black. Captain Dale Black flies for a, a group down in Corona, California called Wings of Faith Ministries. And so do I. And so I've met Captain Black. Great guy, credible man, mature Christian man. And he has a near-death experience and says that he went to heaven and back. You think that's not a challenge? That's a real challenge. So I'm not saying that these people didn't have an experience. I'm not saying that, 
I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying don't get your theology at Barnes and Noble. That's what I'm saying. It's not good. And we tend to do that because these things get sensationalized and that's not a good place to get our theology. And that, my friends, is why the church is confused because they mix this with this and they don't know which is right. When around here we say, this is interesting, this is truth. Okay? So that's my point. And Proverbs, you don't have to turn there, Proverbs 34 says, who has ascended to heaven and come down? That's a question. That's right. But Proverbs doesn't answer the question. You have to go to the next one that's on our list there, John 3.13, that says, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So the next time you hear somebody that says, man, I went to heaven, you're not going to believe what I saw. You can say, you're right, because I don't believe you went. <laughs> Maybe you had a vision. I don't know. But you didn't go because the scriptures say that only Jesus, only, and we'll even see in scripture a little later on, if we get there, that there are some that have been to heaven and they've come back, but they didn't write books. They were used of God for a very specific purpose. And, and I know you know who it is, right? Who? Well, John. Huh? Well, John had a vision. I'm talking about I'm talk Jesus and Elijah and Moses. I, I didn't say they didn't die. Every one of these people, every single one of these people, which is why it's important that I spend a little bit of time on this because it's really important not to get our theology from books and tapes. Okay, every single one of these people died and journeyed to heaven. Nobody in here died and went to heaven and back. Nobody. Okay. So just a word of caution. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. So let's be careful. So how can we say that when we go to heaven, when we die, it won't be forever? Mike, you said and. And uh, Marvin, you said it's because there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and just heaven just changes, right? Is that is that biblically accurate? I think so. Then what do we know about this? What do you call this heaven that we're going to go to that's going to change, according to the Gospel of Mike? Which is a very accurate gospel, by the way. What do we know? What do, we, what do we call this place that we're going to go? Heaven. We call it heaven. It's inclusive. Okay, so it's inclusive. So it's all heaven. Even though this, even though where we're going is temporary. That's why we're here to find out. Okay. Well, answering all these. Then let's, then let's yeah, find out. A to B person. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're falling back on that, aren't you? Let's take a look. Go to Revelation 21.1. Everybody's very familiar with this passage. <laughs> There's not a person in this room that hasn't read this before. More than once, I would venture to guess. Revelation 21.1. And just for the record, I haven't read Revelations in a long time. <laughs> I've been reading other things, but not <laughs> Revelation in a long time. So that's why... It's a challenge. I, that's why I haven't, I'm, not, I'm not remembering. When I, when I did read it back, when I did read it, I probably wasn't you know, paying attention to those, to those details mm -hmm. at the time. So... No worries. 
That's why we're here. Revelation 21 1. Go for it, Susan. You're there. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. What? So there goes the beach. Well, that's interesting because that's not what's really important in that passage, is it? What's important in that passage? First heaven and the first. No, I think it's the heaven that's now yep. is considered the first heaven. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to get there in just a second. In fact, let's go out of order if you would like to. Um, because yeah, can we the Apostle Paul had an experience, didn't he? Yeah. And the Apostle Paul. Uh, in, go to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2. Because Sister Susan, that's Susan number 2. Sister Susan over here uh, wants to make sure that we get this definition of heaven. Which heaven are we talking about? Because Paul is going to give us a little clue about heaven here. When Let's read the first, let's read uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 5. Susan number 1, you're already there. Why don't you go ahead? I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Which heaven? Third. Okay, go ahead. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. But God knows. Was caught up into paradise. He heard inexpressible things. Things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that. But I will not boast about myself except about my weakness. That's really interesting because by, by all accounts, um, Paul is talking about himself here. So Paul had an experience and he says that I know a man in Christ. He might just as well have said, dude, I went. I was caught up 14 years ago. He's writing this now. 14 years earlier, I was caught up to where? Now, now my version says the highest heaven. Okay, okay, the highest heaven. Yeah. All right. So, theologically, are there three heavens? What we have to do is we have to get clear. So, Olivia, this is, you like to cut right to the chase, right? All right. There is one heaven, and you're going there, and it's going to change. Because according to Revelation 21.1, after you die or are raptured, whichever comes first, and you go to heaven, you are going to be in that place. And we're going to look at that place tonight. And then it is going to change because according to Revelation 21.1, God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth and the old one is going to pass away. I don't know how he does that. I can't get my brain wrapped around the fact that, that, that he created the universe. But if he can create the universe, he can recreate it. And that's what he says he's going to do. He's just going to change it. Paul, on the other hand, says that he was caught up to the third heaven. Well, you might be asking yourself, okay, nut job, how can you tell me that there's one heaven when Paul says he was caught up to the third heaven? How can that be? Uh So now what we have to do is we have to take a look at the scriptures 
in the context with which they were written and the time that they were written. And during the time that the uh, in this culture, they talked about three levels of the heavens, not heaven. Got it? Okay. The, he's not talking about three heavens or seven heavens or anything of the sort. He is talking about the heavens. And when he's talking about the heavens, that is a figure of speech for the first heaven being right here. Terra firma. They talk in those terms. We don't, because that sounds weird to us, but it wasn't in the time. He was writing 2,000 years ago. And the first heaven was terra firma. Okay? Seems weird for us to consider that this is heaven. But I've seen bumper stickers. Oh, hi, a little slice of heaven. So that's kind of what it's talking about. The second heaven, which is the stars, the celestial bodies, the moon, the stars, the sun, and, 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 and all of that, they considered that the second heavens, or heavenlies, and the third heaven is heaven, is heaven where, where God resides. Okay? A physical place where God resides. So they talked about these three, these three firmaments, if you will, the earth, the stars, and the, and heaven, the same heaven that I'm talking about, that is that is written about in in the Bible, that John says God is going to destroy and recreate as new. Okay, there's one heaven. There are not three places you can go. You are not going to, when you die, get a planet or multiple wives or any of the sort. Shucks. <laughs> you want more than what? No. 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 <laughs> oh, Ernie. God is going to create the new heavens and the new earth because he is going to fulfill his promises. And why can't he create the new heavens and the new earth? And why does, the, why does heaven have to change after we're there? Why does heaven have to change? Biblically. <laughs> That's a good answer because he said so. Well, he's, he's destroying the earth because of sin filled and he's wiping the slate. Okay, great. So why doesn't he just why doesn't he do it now? Because what? Right. Because there's others to be saved. Yeah, we're not there yet. And scripture says it's not it's time until then anyway. It's not time. God has his plans. We don't know exactly when it's going to happen. We just know sequentially when it's going to happen. It will happen. It will happen after what? After the rapture for sure. After the tribulation for sure. Well, there's a thousand year reign on this. After the thousand year reign of Christ for sure. For sure. And there's... 
after the thousand years, is there one last battle? Ah, uh, no. That's, well, that's where Satan and hell is destroyed. That, Satan is released for a time, right? And then he is he is finally obliterated, and and he is thrown into the pit. The final judgment takes place. The white throne judgment. That's that end times that we looked at the very last night. We were studying end times. We talked about the white throne judgment will be the end of the end. It will be finished. At that point, God is going to create the new heavens and the new earth. And then there's that final chapter where everybody is in heaven that God has called to himself. And that heaven is the new heaven in the new earth. And why do you suppose, and we're going to look at this in more detail next week, why do you suppose it's called the new heaven and the new earth? Because there's no sin there. No. Like That's good. Well, you're right. There's no sin there. Well, well, the earth as we know it is completely destroyed. Right? I mean, it's, it's uh-huh. void of everything. It's that, gone. That it is now. The old order of things is gone. Everything that you know right now, okay? You know that skydiving you want to do? <laughs> It ain't gonna happen. So is no. I mean, yours will, but not there. Is the new Earth actually Earth recreated to a, to a, to its new form? Yes. And is that form the way it was intended to be in the beginning? Yes. Yes. Before sin. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's a man that reads his Bible. Now, not only that, but heaven and Earth are going to be made new, and they are going to collide. And I'm telling you, there's going to be a pretty amazing thing that's going to happen in this new heaven and this new earth. When, when we did the heaven series before, we took a field trip so that we could see what it was like. And we actually walked out the door because it was summertime and it was still light. And we walked out and, we, and I made everybody look at the mountains. And I said, that's what heaven is going to look like. Because that's what God created. God created the earth for us. And heaven and earth are going to be co-mingled together. Earth will be heaven because they are going they aren't now, but they are going to they are going to come together. And then we're not going to, Olivia, when you die or are raptured, you are going to be with the Lord. We just read that. Mm-hmm. When the new heaven when the new heavens and the new earth are created. We will be on the new earth. It will be called heaven. And God comes to live with us. Does that sound like Genesis? We're going to see that in detail because we have to understand that. Because we have to understand ultimately, after we're done in this temporary heaven, what takes place. Because when we go to heaven, what's it going to be like? What is this? What is this heaven that we're going to go to if we died or were raptured tonight? What's it called? Well, it's called heaven. It's called heaven, but I mean, it's different than the new heaven. If there's going to be a new heaven, that's got to be an old heaven, or is it just the same heaven but it's changed? I'm so confused all of a sudden. <laughs> heaven hasn't changed. No, heaven is heaven right now. Okay, it's all the new heaven and the new earth. But yep. called the new well, we weren't confused. <laughs> confusing. No, I'm going I'm to take away your confusion. I like to play with you a little bit. You know that. Because I like to get you to think. Okay, because we need to think through these things. And so what we have is the Bible calls heaven, heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. All right? 
But for purposes of understanding, we need to know that there's going to be a new heaven that we're going to look at next week. But the heaven that we're going to, if, we're, if we die or are raptured today, the heaven that we're going to, we really need to call the present heaven. Because there's a present and a future heaven. It's the same place, it just changes. It changes its proximity to where we are, okay? And all of its attributes are changed, okay? How do we know that? So more than just like a remodel. Oh, it's not a remodel. <laughs> it's, a, it's a redo. Yeah. yeah, it's a complete redo. And, and we're going to take a look again next week at some details in terms of what this place looks like. I'm talking about the new heaven. But before we do that, we have to decide what's going to happen when we die. So when we die, we, we had this question last week. And the question was, well, you know, if we die and we're going to be resurrected and we're going to be resurrected with this glorified body and we're going to and we're going to go to be with the Lord um, because he's going to come and he's going to he's going to rapture the church. Right. And what does what does scripture say? The dead in Christ will rise first and we're going to be with him. And so the question that Brenda asked, I thought it was a brilliant question is, wait a minute. We shouldn't then be cremated, should we? Oh, because what? How does that work? That's a great question, isn't it? What if we're all over the place? What if we're all over the place? I spread people's ashes in my airplane all the time. Yeah, but this is so we're all in shell. But what? But what about your body? You guys are good. So help me understand this, and then we'll look at the we'll look at the scripture to support it. So um, uh, tell me about your spirit. Your spirit exists. But our spirit should already be there. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this body is just a shell. It's nothing. It's not even worth a thought. I think the confusion came from when when you read the word, you you it talks about how the Lord's resurrected body, mm -hmm. his glorified body, went to heaven, mm -hmm. and and there was nothing in the tomb. There was no body, and then when you when they saw him in his glorified form, he had the holes in his hands or his wrists mm -hmm. and feet. So, you know, there that's what I was asking last week is, you know, what happens to our bodies? Because if that's the picture we're given, that the Lord went up that way, and that we're going to go to heaven with new bodies, I guess, or glorified bodies, mm -hmm. then isn't that supposed to be? Wouldn't you imagine it being the same way? Would you? Uh, you would think. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the picture that's given. Well, well, uh, he's God. So if you burn up or you blow up or whatever happens, he can reconstruct whatever he wants. Yeah. <laughs> mm. That's interesting. How did he create? Uh, how did he create Adam? He from the dirt. Okay. He, so he, huh. explain that one to me, by the way. Come on, you got thirty seconds to make me understand that. God created Adam out of the dust. And then he breathed life into his nostrils. Ecclesiastes 12.7. We're running out of time, so I'm just going to read this for you because I always type these up. So Ecclesiastes 12.7, and the context here, of course, is going to, to our eternal home. This is the context of Ecclesiastes 12.7. And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. So Brendan... If I die, and you put me in a pine box tomorrow, and you put me in the ground, 
the same thing is going to happen to my body as if I were cremated, for example. Because it is going to go back to dust. If I we, wanted to see where it said something in the Bible. Okay, well, here's where it says. And we'll look at, we'll look at a couple of scriptures for you. And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God. When we die, our spirit returns to God. Whose spirit returns to God? You said that earlier. Okay, and Brenda, your spirit, and Marvin, yours, and our spirit returns to God. For a believer, that means, see, God is the creator. God, you know, God created unbelievers, too. You know, not everybody's going to heaven, because narrow is the gate. That's what it says. And so, for those who put their faith in Christ, uh, those people, uh, their spirit is going to return to God, because we are going to go to heaven when we die. Okay, but not everybody goes to heaven, but their spirit returned to God because there are consequences of being a non-believer. And so then Matthew twenty-seven fifty says, check this out, because this is Jesus. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. When Jesus died on the cross, he gave up his spirit. He didn't give up his body. Jesus cried out to the Father. Remember, he said it's over. He cried out and he gave up his spirit. It was over. Genesis 2, 7 says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. See, without God breathing life into us, see, our spirit comes from God. No places. Okay? By the way, where did heaven, heaven come from? God. God created it. Okay? He created you. Fearfully and wonderfully, I might add. <laughs> so God created us. Fearfully, wonderfully made. And we are both physical and spiritual, aren't we? I have a physical body. If you hit me, it hurts. Okay? I, have, I am spirit. Because the scriptures tell me that I have a spirit. And I have the Holy Spirit. And so do you. And so does everybody not have the Holy Spirit, but everybody has a spirit and a soul. That's, that's who we are. Okay? And so we're, we're, uh, we're connected in that way, and we know that we're going to go back to the dust, and we know that when God redeems us, so when we are going to be resurrected, for example, we are going to be resurrected to a glorified body, because the scriptures tell us so, right? And that's a wonderful thing. It's going to be young. <laughs> it's going to be vivacious and it's going to be made perfect because it is going to be resurrected in a glorified state similar to Jesus's glorified state and it will be somewhat recognizable in heaven not totally recognizable because we're not Brenda you are going to look way different in heaven than you look right now. Isn't that good news? It is for me. Not, I'm not talking... That didn't come out right. <laughs> what I meant to say... <laughs> what I meant to say is, you know, you're going to be like the rest of us. Young and vivacious and made perfect in a glorified state. And I didn't meet you till you were 
till you were in your, uh, what are you, 53 now? I didn't meet you till you were older, so I don't know. I, it's going to be hard for me to recognize you. But you see, when, we're, when we are resurrected, we are going to be res- resurrected and God is going to give us a body out of the dust, just like he did Adam. But our body isn't who we are. Right? That's not who we are. No, when he says he's going to meet the dead in Christ first, it sounds like he's going to meet the ones that are in the graves first. The dead in Christ will rise first at, at the rapture, absolutely. And you know how fast it's going to go? In the blink of an eye, you are going to be given a new body. God is going to fashion a new body and you are going to be 100% Brenda. Your DNA is not going to be changed. You are going to be Brenda spiritually. But you are going to be given a body that is, listen to this, imperishable. That's a radical difference to what we experience now. Radical. Tim. What about children? And are there any are there children because of their glorified body. Oh, now that's a really good question. What's the question? Are there going to be children in heaven? Um, I love Thelma. You know, Thelma lost a baby. Okay. And the question is, is my baby going to be in heaven? And the answer is, yes. yes. But at what form? What age? Yes. No, we know the form. Okay, we are going to have bodies that are going to look like Jesus when he was transfigured in Acts one eleven. It says that Jesus, what happened? He showed himself to all the boys, and even Thomas said, "Jesus, is that you?" He was looking straight at him, and he says, "No, no, I got a touch. Show me." Oh, Jesus still had scars. I, I think they were here, not here. But right. but I think he had, he had the scars, and, and Thomas said, oh. he had the holes in his side. He, he had everything to, so that Thomas would believe. And we are going to be given glorified bodies that will not look like these bodies right now. So, if we are raptured today, okay, how old is Thomas' baby going to be in heaven? We don't know. The clue that we have is that how old was Jesus? See, I find it interesting that Jesus had a ministry in the last three and a half years. How old was he when he had his ministry on earth? Thirty-three. Thirty-three. All things equal, we'll call it thirty. I don't know about you, but I was in pretty peak condition when I was thirty. I don't know. It's a clue. We're not told. We're not told. Uh, Pat asked a great question last week. What about gender in heaven? But we're not going to get to that one yet. Okay, we're going to get to that one in a week or two. But the point is, is that is that in essence, Brenda, Teresa, Marilyn, Mike, you are going to be who you are because that is your spirit, not your body, and we're going to recognize you when we get to heaven. Not because we recognize your face. Your face isn't who you are. It's, it's your essence. It's your spirit who you are. And God is going to fashion out of the dust. Because he returned us to the dust. In the blink of an eye, 
He is going to give us a glorified body that none of you have any idea what it's going to look like. But your face isn't going to be the same. I can assure you is that. They didn't recognize Jesus. Is that Jesus? They spent three and a half years hanging out with him. And they were right. Thomas was standing right in front of them. I'll believe it, but you've got to show me. He didn't recognize his face. And then ultimately, they recognized him for who he is. In fact, we even see in Scripture, Scripture talks about we will be known just as we are, are fully known. Okay? We will know as we are fully known. The beautiful thing is, is that in a heaven that we can't relate to, because I got some secrets I'm here to tell you right now, I'm going to confess. I got some secrets that I ain't telling any of you. Okay? Trust me. I got some secrets I'm not going to tell you. Do you know in heaven, there will be none. There will be none. Brenda, you're going to know me for who I am. Okay? And I am going to have a resurrected body. Will that body be physical in heaven? The present heaven? Marvin thinks it's a good question. Are you going to have a physical body? That's the resurrected body. I'm talking about if you died and you were outside of your body, meaning that, that you're present with the Lord... In the, in the present heaven. So you said I won't see my mother's face when I get there? No, it will be better than that. It will be better than seeing her face. You know who you're going to see when you get there? You're going to see your mother perfected. And you're going to, and you're going to, you are going to be absolutely astounded because you're going to know her for who she is. Like you never, you're going to have a relationship with people that you know and people that you don't know when, when we're here on earth. You are going to have a relationship with them that far exceeds anything that we can have here because you see, we're so, we're blinded by sin. And when I said that I have secrets that I can't tell you, Brenda, because I, I just, I'm, I'm not, I, can't, I just can't tell you. When we're in heaven, we won't have secrets. And you're going to have a love relationship with those people around you that you can't even imagine now. Because you're going to see them perfected. You're going to see them for who they are, not for what they look like. Because I don't look so good. Okay? I'm not the most attractive guy in town. But in heaven, you're not going to see me that way. You're going to see me for who I am. I know I won't be sad because I'll be with Jesus. Yeah, and your mom and all these misfits. <laughs> we're going to be there together and we're going to see each other for who we are. That's kind of scary though. Oh. <laughs> but there won't be any need for secrets. Yeah. First Corinthians, check this out, Brenda. This is, this is awesome, okay? Because when we talk about seeing our loved ones, we're going to see them for who they are, like we've never seen them before, and it'll be perfect. And you see, you know, you know God is love, right? And when we get to heaven, love is going to carry the day. And so we're going to love each other perfectly. We don't even know what that looks like now. I can't relate to that. I mean, Mike, I love you, man. But no, me too. I, you know what, dude? That's nothing. But we have no idea. What we haven't a clue 
we haven't a clue how we're going to love each other, okay, without any of the earthly trappings of that. Right. Okay, there won't be any earthly trappings. I'm going to love my mom when I get to heaven. Like I, I mean, I'm a mama's boy. I love my mom. And, you know, and, and she went home to be with the Lord ten years ago. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to love her like, I can't, I won't even, I can't explain it now. But that's what the Bible says. And it says that, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, I only know a little bit. Then I, uh, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. No secrets. Complete love. Will they overlook the bad part? Yeah. There will be no bad part. There won't be no bad. There won't be any bad part, Olivia. The old is gone and the new has come. You see, and here's the hard part for us. We recognize everything in terms of sin. You can't help it. Okay? Because you're a sinner. And so what happens is, is that everything is based on the fact that, you know, see, I, I concern myself with what Brenda thinks of me. In heaven, I won't. I'll, she's going to know me completely. I will be wide open. Yeah. Well, there is no sin. There's nothing to hide. That's right. right? There's nothing to fear. That's right. right. We, will, we want to live our lives here in a Christ-like way. When we are there, we will be Christ-like. We won't have to. We won't have to work at it. We'll be clothed in His righteousness. We will be clothed in His righteousness the way He sees us now. But that's not the way we operate. Mm-hmm. We we will want people. We won't even give it a second thought in terms of people knowing us for who we are. Mm-hmm. And there and it will be love. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, so it is the body. So you you ask if, if it's physical in heaven. If, if our bodies, if we're in physical form. Mm-hmm. Are you meaning flesh in the present heaven? Flesh and blood and all that. Is yeah, that yeah. What you mean? Yeah. No, not I wouldn't think so. Not in the present heaven. No. Not in the present heaven. No. We our bodies haven't been resurrected. Or right. Anything. I wouldn't think so. I think we're in spirit form there. Yeah. What does spirit form look like? Different dimensions. Hmm. It's your soul. It's your essence of who you are. <laughs> okay. Do you, know like? you hear that, Brenda? You probably don't know what your soul looks like. Yeah. Who knows? I'm wondering. What does your soul look like? We and we gotta go. God, I can't wait till this week. I said you probably don't know what your soul looks like, but that's but, the essence of who you. But are. the Bible says, and Brenda and I believe it. <laughs> the Bible says is that when we go to heaven, we're gonna recognize each other. Yeah, if I die today, I'm going to heaven. I, I'm gonna recognize my mom. It's spiritual. How's that work? Oh, okay. God knows. Our loved ones that didn't accept Christ uh, just won't be there. Anybody that didn't accept Christ won't be there. That's correct. And And we're going to see that we won't know. But but they know, right? They they know. know. They they can they have access to see everything and know what they missed out on. That's the torment. Yeah, exactly. That's the torment. Think about it this way, and then we'll close with this. And next week, what we're going to do is we are going to. I want you to think this week, and if you'd like to do a little homework, please be my guest. Next week, we are going to go through the process of seeing what Scripture says about whether there is physicality in the present heaven when you die. Is the present heaven physical 
Spiritual or both? That's what we're going to look at because we're going to nail that down and then we're going to find out what happens there. Because heaven is going to change. And I can relate to heaven on earth, but it's hard for me to relate to being where Jesus is. Especially if it's physical. Then that's really hard to imagine. Okay, and we're going to see what the Bible has to say. And trust me, the Bible has a lot more to say about the physicality of the present heaven. And we'll have to make up our minds when we get done. And it'll take next week to do that. In the, in the meantime, I want you to think about the difference between now and then. Right now, we have a physical body, right? Everybody have a physical body? Okay, with spiritual properties to it. Okay? When we get to heaven, God is going to flip that on its head. We're going to have a spiritual body with physical properties to it. I'm talking about the ultimate, excuse me, the new heaven and the new earth. Next week, we're going to take a look at the present heaven. When you die, are you going to be spirit? Or are you going to be physical? And where are you going to be? And what are you going to do there? Okay? That's next week. Cool.